We are now 50 days from the time that Christ rose, so we are the day of Pentecost, a day to celebrate. Uh, and the Jewish tradition, they were given instructions, or the Hebrew people were given instructions to celebrate the Feast of Weeks, the beginning of the first harvest, the first indication of God's blessing. And they, there were certain sacrifices that went with that ceremony, that celebration, that time of worship. So Feast of Weeks, it's also the time when remembering the giving of the, uh, the Word. So the Tanakh, the, the, the Word that, or the Torah, is, has come to the people of Israel uh, through Moses. So this is the day that that's celebrated. And it's also the day, as we've just talked about, the day the church began, the Holy Spirit came, formed up in, in the people and revealed himself in a powerful way. And they recognized that God was with them. And then he began to add to the church on that day, 3,500 people come to the Lord. And they, they gathered for the feast of weeks, uh, the people in Jerusalem, and then they are exposed to Christ, to the Holy Spirit, to the one true God in a way they had not experienced that before. So this is that day, and it's the day that the Lord begins to reach out. So the whole church at that point are the 3,500 and 120 that were in the upper room that the Holy Spirit came on, and then the Holy Spirit's on all of them, and that's the beginning. And he begins to add people, and we're told that the Holy Spirit would add as they went along to the number as, as time went on. There is a movement or has been a movement among uh, Christians to take that message out, which is what we ought to do, because there is no better message. Take the gospel, take Christ, introduce people to this reality. There is a a different side of that in, in the idea of multiplication that, that as we, well, let's see. If there are giant revivals and lots of people come into the church, that's our indication that God is there. There is a, if there's a, a football stadium and it fills up with people to hear a Christian speaker, then that tells us God is here. If there is a church with tens of thousands of people in it, then that tells us God is here. So that is a sign that people are looking for routinely. And the idea of adding to or multiplying, always in a positive fashion, is the sign that God is here. And today, I'm going to tell you about division. And the sign of God in division. So we're moving in a different direction. And let's just find out what it is that Jesus has to say about this particular sign. And we're going to call this crossing the divide. And our uh, discovering signs of God in everyday life. And you will find that this one is relevant. And you have probably seen it. So crossing the divide. Division increases. Luke 12, 51, Jesus is speaking. And he says, Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I've come to divide people against each other. That do anything for you on the whole? Only revivals, only big churches, only big stadiums full of people is the indication of God showing up. And Jesus says, Nope. No, I came to divide people against each other. He's going to tell us that when he came and when God's truth shows up, people on the earth are not necessarily drawn to that. And they will go in all kinds of directions. They will turn on each other. They, they will turn on family members. They will turn on people that they are close to. If in a church... A place, a gathering where people come together to honor the Lord, to, to fellowship in the name of Christ, maybe, maybe even with Bibles in it. 
because some churches don't really care about that either. But say committed to the whole thing. We got we got Bibles. We get together. We have Jesus. And then you pre- present the truth of what that means to follow Jesus, to listen to him, to listen to his truth, and actually obey it. And that's where the rub comes. You go, well, Jesus said to do this. And you'll watch people in the church go, hmm, nope. And so this summer, there will be many denominations meeting, and they are having their big annual gatherings, and they will be dividing because there is God's truth, and then there are the influences of culture and the views of human beings, and as those things all come together, people will choose what leads the way. And if Jesus leads the way, there will be division. When he comes in, he will divide because people cannot stand his truth. They can't stand to have him around too much. He will cause division. He knew it. He proclaimed it. He, he's letting us know that these things are going to come. And, and as we move through life, we're going to see more and more of it. We're going to spend a little time going through Luke 12. And there are things here in Luke 12 that just, they, they give us a, a picture, an indication, a perspective, uh, provide some parameters for us to look at things from the perspective that Jesus has. He, he's come from heaven to earth. He, he is the source of creation of the, the scriptures that we have. He sent the Holy Spirit to instruct us. So we have all of that going, and Jesus says, I, I need you to think like this. I need you to see what it is that is important and what I'm trying to do. And there's enough words in Luke 12 to divide. We'll just see how this works. Spiritual cosmology. And I'll, I'm going to take you through uh, verses 2 through 11. The time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed. And all that is secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. What's the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. I tell you the truth, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God's angels. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. Holy Spirit's going to help with that. So we've got Jesus presenting some, some things here. He's, the things that you're saying in secret, you think that's it. That's the end of it. Whatever you say, whatever you scream out, whatever anger, whatever attitudes, whatever you condemn in another person, and you think that's, that's it. You're just venting, and it's all legit. And he says, uh, whatever, whatever you're saying, be revealed. It'll be brought out. won't be kept in secret. It's not gone. Those words matter. Well, how can that be? Well, there's, there's, a, there's a cosmology. There's, there's more to this universe than the single layer of I live in the present time 
and I am the center of my universe, and whatever I say or whatever I think in my history and my existence is all that matters and my decisions based on whatever I see, that's the thing that is most important. And Jesus is saying, even your words, you think those are gone. They're not gone. I'm going to bring them back around. It probably caused many of us to rethink, what what have I said lately? Because... And there's also forgiveness and there's some other things. But just just to keep in mind, he's talking about a bigger universe with layers of things that are, that are unfolding and happening. It's much bigger than we would typically uh, give it credit for. So that's, that's something of, of what he's talking about. Uh, don't be afraid of those who kill the body. And he's talking about whether it's the, the Jewish establishment or the Romans. Because everybody is running around in fear of what can happen. What if the government? Or what if... And that fearful attitude causes them to shut down and to not stand for truth. To be fearful of, of saying things, of, of really investigating who Jesus is. And it's no different today. People are, well, you know, the guy at, the, at school, that's what the university says. The guy on TV says. The influencers on social media say. And out of that fear, people, I'm not going to say. So let's see. You go to a, a family reunion. You're gathered with a family. And you have the opportunity to stand up for Jesus. You could talk about Jesus or talk about all the stupid stuff you did as a kid, or just figure out who cousin so-and-so is over there. You're working through all of that. Tell you the truth, anyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. Huh. You ever just shut down when you get to a family reunion? You go, I'm not talking about Jesus. Why? Because you know it divides, right? You know it divides. What does Jesus say about that? Well, if you say something, I'm going to talk you up right there in front of the angels. I'm going to talk you up. So what's the universal image we have here? Is this all there is? So the main thing is I need to be fearful of family members who really don't impact my life at all we don't see each other much but I'm afraid to speak because physical emotional whatever it is that causes us to shut down and he says don't fear the ones who can take your body fear the one who can not only kill you but send you to hell he's the one because hell is you know ongoing kind of a thing and uh, there's more to life after death than there is on this side part of the cosmology understanding the bigger picture this is this is a bigger thing there are angels involved and jesus is going to talk about you before the angels and the angels know you this is an unfamiliar territory to them so when he talks about who you are he's going to talk about what you did and give you praise for doing what he's asked you to do and that you stood by him and people are just have a tendency to throw him under the bus. And he says, well, if you do that, it won't go so well. So why are we afraid? He says, don't be afraid. What can they do to you? Most of the time when you go to a family reunion or a business meeting or somewhere else, and these aren't in inappropriate times or outbursts of of. Uh, revival or preaching or whatever it's just opportunities that you have to make Jesus known and to go mm, no and he's saying this is a bigger picture there's more going on here this is what you say about me what you think about me what you say about me what you think about God and what you say about God what you think about the Holy Spirit and what you say about the Holy Spirit matters and your words in secret, will be brought to light. All of that. There's a different universe that's at work. Bigger, lasts longer. It was here before, be here after. God is doing his thing. We're just here temporarily. 
And Jesus is trying to show and, and point out to us that this thing exists, and it's big, and it matters, and you are part of it. And he's calling you to be included in it. But to speak out means division. And you know that. So you don't speak out. And those times are, let's say, not your best moments. So he's got something better, and he's called you to it. And this is a reminder to his guys who have struggled with this as well. And he knows before long they're going to be brought to trial in the synagogues before rulers and authorities. He says, don't even worry about defending yourself. He goes on to say the Holy Spirit's going to give you words to speak. The Holy Spirit, because th- this universe is not locked into your ability. Oh, you're shy. Oh, you only have 25 words in your vocabulary. No. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak because this is bigger than you. And it's bigger than these physical times that we live in. So we get, a spirit, we get an idea of a spiritual cosmology that, that, that there is a tendency to uh, limit everything to the physical, material, cultural, government threats and all those kind of things that we live in. And he's saying, you've got to move past it. You've got to understand there's something bigger, something much bigger going on. He has more to say in Luke 12, 13. We'll take a look at this. It's not about the toys, boys. Someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Yep, it's always about the stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Gets interesting when people die. It's one of the greatest times to be around a family because they're so close, they're drawn together especially if it's the oldest member and there's stuff left, the house, property, goods, guns. That's a popular one around here. Who gets those things? Who gets the car? Who gets the... And the fight's on. And these are all fam- family members. You'd think they'd all pull together and say, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're in this together. We love uh, Mamma, so we better get together and, you know, celebrate and share and... Make sure everybody gets their, their part. No. Make sure I got my part and your part and that part. Because, you know, that's how we do it. So, the brothers show up. And, of course, the most important thing they can say is to Jesus, the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, make him give me my stuff. Okay. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Well, bummer, because that's what they tell you. Except the hearse never pulls a U-Haul trailer, so you really don't get to take it with you. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Huh. Bigger picture, bigger universe, more layers. It's not just about the stuff. It's not what we can control, what we have right now, right here. Our business plans, our savings plans, our 401ks, our investments... And getting more. You've seen this. I've seen lots of this. Somebody throws themselves into gathering and gathering and making sure they get their fair share and a bunch more. And they pile it all up and talk about all they're going to do when they get that. uh, Finish up, sell the business, get their retirement, get giant social security money just thrown on top of that. And then they die. And they don't collect it. 
They don't collect Social Security. They don't get to use the pension. They don't have the savings. The property goes into somebody else's hand, and those guys are fighting over it. And, and Jesus says, why are you making that your priority? Because you're not going to be around to see who gets it or uses it. And you're making that the main thing. Uh, it's a bit of a problem from his perspective because there's something more. There's something beyond that. There's a universe that goes beyond all of that that Jesus is trying to get his people, his followers, to understand. But you talk about these kind of things, it divides. You just talk about money. Talk about money in a church. doesn't take long. That divides. What should be happening? The Holy Spirit comes in, settles in our hearts. Love begins to just bubble up within us, bringing us together. Generosity becomes just a normal thing, kindness and words. Giving becomes just a normal part of what we do. Not gathering, fighting over it, piling it up, storing it, and then missing out. And he says, well, that guy, that day came like that. He's gone. No more. Practice altering perspective. Let's change your perspective, renewing your mind. Change your practice with new attitudes and behaviors. So practice altering perspective. That's, that's a hard thing to do. You've got to rethink what you're doing every day and put it in the context of this wider universe, a spiritual reality that Jesus is talking about. And he, he says, this is, this is the kingdom. This is the life I came to tell you about. You're not limited to this tight little wad of earth that you live on. There's more to it. And he's pointing, pointing them in that direction. So Luke 12, 32, it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. God the Father has this in mind. He wants to provide for his people the kingdom, the, the fullness of the kingdom, his resources, his direction, his instructions. He has a, he has a clue as to what's around the bend. He knows what's going to come after the pandemic. He knew the pandemic was coming. He knows what's going to happen with the economic collapse. He's going to know, he knows what's going to happen in the, the, the world of e-commerce. He knows what's going to happen in the shipping lanes at sea. He, he knows what's going to happen in your life. And he wants to give you the kingdom. He wants to pour into your life the very things that will make you the real you. The real you. Not the made-up one that the culture tells you you're supposed to be, but the real you, the one you were designed to be. And he wants to make that happen in this life to get you ready for the next life and you get to enjoy it in his kingdom forever. And it gives him great happiness to give it to you. But then things happen. So let's see if this, this will help divide. Verse 22 Turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns, for God feeds them. And you, you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I hope you put that on your refrigerator. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? The answer is no. So you might have to write that on the side just in case. And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, What's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, 
he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You've got to practice altering perspective. So work, uh, the material things we gather up, the things that we think are so, so much more important, the, the treasures of life, and it become... Uh, huge and and as people approach retirement that that's huge and there's they'll get all kinds of mail about investments and how to stretch the money and all there's there's financial advisors who come along and they have all kinds of ideas because the treasure is your possession and then your treasures possess you and he's saying you know what there is a bigger perspective there's a heavenly perspective. Put those treasures in heaven. But we have to have faith. We have to believe that this other reality exists. And we stumble when we come to that part. Especially when it comes down to the finances or getting some things lined up that might be food, clothing. You know, is he saying don't work, just sit around and wait for it? No, he didn't say that, did he? But he did say... Seek first the kingdom. And then God somehow works through the work, works through the money, multiplies the things that we have, makes what is important rise to the top, and then he gets great pleasure out of giving us the kingdom. He wants to give us the kingdom. So we have to seek it. If we're seeking everything else, hmm, See, I know this divides because I've brought this up before over the years, decades that I've been doing this kind of thing. And it won't be long. Somebody in their mind, or they will speak it and say something about, well, you know, I got a job. I can't just be doing kingdom stuff. You know, I got responsibilities. I got to take care of things, you know. Don't read Jesus because this will really mess you up. Sell your possessions. And give to those in need. But I got to take care of things. Sell those, sell those things. Well I got this job. Get another one. Well I got. You know what Jesus is going to say. Seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. See how it divides? Right there. Right through the middle of the heart. But I got. But I got. He says, the Father wants to give you the kingdom. Gives him great happiness to give you the kingdom. But that requires seeking him. Recognizing that this thing is much bigger. That he is at work doing amazing things. But it isn't that small little world we live in. It goes far beyond all that. Seek the kingdom. But you have to practice altering perspective. Practice altering perspective on the attitudes that we have about life, about where the kingdom fits in the priorities of our lives, how we deal with the material things, how we deal with relationships, how we deal with our God. Does he get priority or is he just a back burner? And we have lots of other things to fill our time. Seek the kingdom. God wants to give us these great things. Wherever your treasure is, there your desire, the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus is coming back. Luke 12, 43, If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. There will be a reward. 
So Jesus is coming back, but he gives this, uh, he wants to tell the story to sort of let his followers know how this, how this works. And in verse 35, 1235, be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Peter asked, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone? Because you've got to spread out the wealth, you know. You don't want to just get nailed by Jesus. And the Lord replied, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. But someone who does know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Jesus is coming back. He's given us instructions. He's given us the scriptures. He's provided the Holy Spirit. He's provided opportunities in our land for free exchange of ideas for the most part in churches. And we can freely meet. We've been given much. What do we do with that? How do we invest that? What do we do to multiply that in, in our lives and in our situation, our circle? What do we do with that? Are we faithful with what we've been given? The Lord's coming back, and he says, Matt, just be ready, because you don't know. I'm just coming back. So when he holds us accountable, and remember the previous story, the, the man who was building extra in his barns and building more barns to put his stuff in, and then the Lord says, that's it, you're done. Well, that's also the Lord showing up. So if the Lord shows up and says, you're done, you're not going to do anymore. Or you're going to have a car accident and lose your legs, so you won't be doing anymore. Or suddenly you have been, everything that you had has been taken away from you. The IRS, somebody shows up, gone. The Lord shows up and says, you're done. Or you die and you go face him and explain why your idea was better than his. He is coming back. He's saying, be ready, do the thing I've told you to do, and the faithful servant will receive a reward for doing what he's told him to do. Well, what if we just fill in the, you know, whatever needs to be done box? I go, well, whatever needs to be done is what I think needs to be done. And the priority in my life is my kingdom, my little circle, my little property, my little ownership, my little goods, and I just need him to make sure that that all runs well, peacefully, smoothly, without one ripple. I need that. That's all I need from God, and I'll do a quiet time. He said, that's not how it works. You be faithful in all of it, all I've given you to do, and if I've given you a lot to do, be faithful in all of it. And if you fail, we'll deal with that. If you're faithful, there are great rewards. True. That's a different perspective for everyday life. Everyday life. What are we going to do? 
What decisions are we going to make? Where are we going to go? What are we going to spend our time on? What are we going to invest our money in? Are we taking care of the responsibilities God has given us in relationships and whatever it is he's, he's laid on us? People will divide over Jesus. Luke 12, 49 to 51. I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I've come to divide people against each other. It's not the same. It's not the same idea, folks. Jesus came bringing truth. He's bringing life. He's bringing the kingdom. And people are rebelling and rejecting and wanting to do their own thing. And Jesus, bringing up Jesus, will divide. Think about praying in Jesus' name at the end of a commencement ceremony. This is graduation time around the country. 25 years ago, that had been fine. Today, wow. Divide. It's happening. So what are the signs? Every day, it's in the news. Somebody's angry. Somebody's upset that Jesus' name is being held up, being made known. We need to silence him. We need to take him out of the textbooks. We need to take him out of the churches even. People divide. And Jesus knew it. But he's also the bridge. And I want to walk you through this. Jesus is the bridge. Sin has entered into this world, the rebellion against God, the rejection of his truth, the rejection of, uh, of who he is. Sin has entered into this world and it has filtered through everyone. So we've got sin, rebellion, we've got people who are self-centered, looking out for themselves, looking out for their group, looking out for uh, this group's life matters, that group not so much. It's all over the place. And it is a constant because of, well, these guys are rich, those guys are poor, these guys live in this coast, those guys live in the middle. It, ah, the self-centered thing is just, a reflection of the sin that exists, but it, it, it's, it's just around us all the time. And again, it's a sign. It's an indication when you see that in the news or you feel it in yourself. It's a sign that what God said was true, that he was absolutely on target, and he's telling us what is real about this world, about us, about the people in this world, and what we need to do about it. And Jesus is the bridge. He is the way that we get across that sin chasm. We get across this rebellion, this self-centeredness, this darkness. We get to the other side where we find forgiveness. And we find forgiveness in Him for us. Then, we, as forgiven people, then we have the opportunity to forgive, to carry that on, to pass that on to others. That's kingdom living. Well, what if, what if we decide I'm not forgiving? Not till they apologize. Huh. How many times did Jesus say we ought to be doing this forgiving thing? 70 times 7. That's a bunch. Did he say just go one more past that and then punch him in the nose? No. The idea is we, we live forgiveness out because he's forgiven us. We don't hold on to it. We don't harbor it. We let go. If we don't, we have just crossed that chasm. We like sin. We like self-centeredness. We like rebellion. And Jesus said, I'll come back. And I'll deal with that. You don't want that visit. He is not kidding. But he's offering us something new. So he's the bridge. We got forgiveness. We can move on in this new life. And then there's new beginnings, new, new cosmology. So the new way of living life, a new way of thinking. The new cosmology is understanding the universe 
is not the end of all things. The heavens are beyond this universe. God is existing in this eternity that is out, out beyond all of this. He has called us to something bigger. That's what Jesus is telling these followers of his. Something bigger than what you're seeing around you. Your father loves you. He's happy to give you the kingdom. He wants to provide for you like he has. He takes care of the flowers and the birds, and he just he, he wants to pour that into your life. And then your words will be brought out. All those little secret things you think are secret will not be secret. And he will bring those things to light. And you can invest what you have in the heavens. Take your treasures and put them in the heavens and they can't be touched. That's where they're safe. That's the bank that matters. New beginnings, new cosmology, and new enemies. As long as you play it down and you don't talk much about Jesus, and Jesus isn't really a big part of your life, you have fewer enemies. Have you noticed that? Family people will talk to you. People at work, they love just talking trash. As long as you're putting something down or complaining about the place you work, you are a hero talk about Jesus, you talk about forgiveness, you talk about love, you talk about the kingdom, you talk about investing in heaven, you talk about good things and how to transform lives, and you will have enemies. And it won't take long. At work, at home, family reunions, and the community. And those aren't all. Because in the heavens, there are also principalities and powers of darkness and they don't want Jesus to succeed they hate Jesus so if you align with Jesus they're after you as long as you're quiet as long as you hide out you deny Jesus they love you those principalities and powers of darkness you align with Jesus you start living in the kingdom you start living out the kingdom you start exercising the realities that Jesus has called you to, oh, they hate you, and they will come on strong. So you're supposed to put on the full armor of God, hold up the shield of faith, because they're coming. So you cross the bridge, you got new enemies. Enemies you may not have thought of before. Because, you know, when you go through high school and college, they don't bring this up. They lack knowledge, understanding. They do have experience because every one of those people has experienced the darkness. They know what that's about and brokenness and sin. They just don't own it that way. People will divide over Jesus, Luke 12. 52 to 53, from now on families will be split apart. Three in favor of me and two against. Or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son, son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And you thought Jesus came to just make all the family smile and eat dinner and no problems. Wow. People will divide over Jesus. Some are in favor, some are not. It is a sign. God has told the truth. Jesus said it was coming. Those who are listening to the enemy will turn because that's who they're listening to. And they are not in favor of what Jesus is up to. Last days, 2 Timothy 3, you should know this. Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. What is it Jesus was talking about? Yeah. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful they will consider nothing sacred. Yeah, you see that. Interpreting present times. Luke 12, 54 to 56. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, When you see clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, Here comes a shower. And you're right. When the south wind blows, you say, Today will be a scorcher. And it is. You fools, you know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know 
how to interpret the present times. And we talked about weather as one of the signs. But he's talking about interpreting the times. We understand that the weather points us to God and lets us know about him and what he's doing. But also that we have the ability to interpret signs, to look at the weather, to look at the sky, to see the clouds, to see the winds and understand something's coming or something's happened. And he's saying you should be able to do that with the times, the times that you live in, the times of today. In light of, not your feelings about it, not your opinions, not how you were raised, not what your grandma said, not what the history books that you read or the history books that are being rewritten today, but by God's truth, by what Jesus has revealed, by the reality of Scripture being pointed out that, that God is pointing out, this is, these are the issues. This is the day in which these things are coming to light. We live in a universe that is multi-layered. There are many things going on. There are many entities involved. There's more going on and more happening than we give credit for. And we settle for, well, my mower ain't running so good. You go, really? That's what you got? Remember the boys? Tell him to divide his, you know. Why? Because we're so caught up in our thing. And we miss it. And God the Father wants to give us the kingdom. So how do we interpret the times? By the signs. God is around us. He's revealed himself in many ways. We've spent weeks on this. And he is revealing himself in the division. What if one group is opposed to another group? Somebody's trying to walk with Jesus, trying to look into the scriptures. And, and even if you hear this kind of stuff, you know that, that church over there, they're, they're dividing again. In fact, you know, we have some churches in, in towns that divide over and over again, and that's how we get church growth. Is they're developing because this one... But typically it's... So-and-so's mad because she taught in that Sunday school for 25 years and she liked it being painted green and somebody wanted to come in there and paint it taupe. And oh my gosh, it's the end of the world because it's their kingdom and somebody come and violated their kingdom and so now we're going to need to start another church. Typically, it will be an assistant pastor or the youth pastor that you go start a new church with. Often, and sometimes it will be the worship guy. Because if the worship guy does hymns and they like hymns, they go with that guy. If the guy's into contemporary music and likes having a worship band, uh, they go with that guy. we got all kinds of church growth going on. That is not the idea. The idea is that we find out about Jesus, we get into the scriptures, we interpret what he is saying for our times, not about us, well, this is how I feel, because that's back to the selfish, looking out for ourselves. How do we fit into the kingdom? This wider, eternal kingdom that God the Father has invited us into, made possible by Jesus. And he's saying, come invest in this. Come live here. Enjoy this. But the signs are going to be, there's going to be division. Maybe in your household, maybe around you, but I guarantee you, you've all seen it. So in every time you see it, from now on, recognize the times that God is revealing himself. Told the truth, it's coming. When you bring up Jesus, things happen. Yep, so should we bring up Jesus? Yeah, pretty clear, we ought to do that. Will it divide? Yeah. Does that hurt your feelings? Don't care. Get over it. Suck it up. He will hold you responsible for not. So I'm looking out for you. You want the best? You want to walk in the kingdom? You want to enjoy the life he's got for you? Seek the kingdom with all you got. Look at the signs. You know when to look at the weather? Look for the signs that God is real.
And he's revealing himself. Crossing the divide. Jesus is the way to cross the divide. We follow him. We listen to him. We do what he says. A sign of God is the division caused by Jesus. It happens in the culture. It happens in churches. It happens in families. It happens. Be aware and encouraged that God is at work. He is at work. He's not slowed down. He's not missed a beat. He is still accomplishing his purposes. He will accomplish his purposes. Now, if we want him to accomplish those purposes in us, we better get on board. Make sure that we're listening to him, we're following him, we're seeking him with all we got. Because he's got more for us. So much more. And it's lasting. It can't be taken from us. And it will be waiting for us in heaven when we arrive. Not a bad deal. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, your patience with us. Thank you for sending Jesus once again to, to reveal truths to us, to reinforce reality, to point out that there is more to this uh, universe, this existence, than we sometimes give credit. And we want to follow you. We want to enjoy that kingdom. We want to walk in the light. We want to honor Jesus as opportunity is given us. We want to lift up your name, honor you in this life. Lord, may we be those who divide because we stand with you. May we be those who do not give in, who do not hide. Lord, let us be strong in our faith and the strength that you give us. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.